0: We're going to get started here, and we're going to get settled. If you are here for the first time, we are, uh, this is the Read and rant. And what we come to do, just in our time together when we're reading the Word, is we're just asking God three questions. God, what are you revealing concerning yourself? What are you revealing concerning people? And what are you revealing concerning me? That's how we posture ourselves every time to receive and to hear from God. Um, when we read God's word, we don't simply read it as, you know, uh, an academic intellectual book. And while it can be deeply academic and it can be deeply intellectual, it's a spiritual book. It's one that reveals God, reveals who God is, reveals his heart and reveals his will. We prayerfully read through the scriptures to receive from God, to hear from God, not just to get ideas, but to get to know Him. And so today what we're doing is, is we're continuing to journey through the text and we open ourselves up to hear from God by just simply posturing ourselves with those three questions. And so I want to encourage you to go ahead and turn your Bibles to the book of Acts. We've been reading now through the gospels, we've uh, completed the gospels, and now we're reading Acts. And I'm excited. I'm really excited about this this journey that we're about to engage in, that we're about to embark on in the book of Acts. Let's go ahead and turn there. I'll pray, and then we're going to get right to it, y'all. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege that you've given us, Lord, to come together, Lord, to be able to spend time together in your word. Father, I pray that you would bless this time Bless this moment. Lord God, I pray that you would uh, speak to us, speak to our hearts, Lord, reveal who you are. And Father, we pray, Lord, that your spirit would would wash us with this word, Lord. Wash us by your spirit, wash us in the word. Lord, that we would be um, encouraged, exhorted, convicted, Lord God, of who you are and what you uh, call us to be and call us to do. So bless us as we read your word today, guide us in your truth, Lord, lead us towards the path of righteousness. And we say that in Jesus' name, amen. The Acts of the Apostles, chapter one, let's go. and being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you've heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit, not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. Who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will so come in like manner as you saw him go up into heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey. And when they had entered, they were up into the upper room where they were staying. Peter, James, John, and Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples. Altogether, the number of names were about 120 and said, men and brethren, this scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke before, by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus, for he was numbered with us and obtained a part in this ministry. Now this man purchased a field with the wages of iniquity. And falling headlong, he burst open in the middle and all his entrails gushed out. And it became known to all those dwelling in Jerusalem so that the field is called in their own language, akeldama, that is, field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, let his dwelling place be desolate, and let no one live in it, and let another take his office. Therefore, of these men who have accompanied us all the time, that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John to that day when he was taken up from us, one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection and they proposed two. Joseph called Barsabbas who was surnamed Justice and Matthias. And they prayed and said, you, O Lord, who know the hearts of all show, which of these two you have chosen to take part in the ministry and the apostleship from which Judas by transgression fell that he might go to his own place. And they cast their lots and the lot fell on Matthias. And he was numbered with the 11 apostles. Chapter two, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there was a dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, a multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites, who's dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya, joining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them speaking in our own tongues, wonderful, sorry, in our own tongues, the wonderful works of God. And they were all amazed and perplexed saying to one another, whatever could this mean? Others mocking said, they are full of new wine. But Jesus, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words, for these are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this was spoken by the prophet Joel, and it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out Of my spirit on all flesh your sons and your daughters shall prophesy your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams and on the men servants and on the maid servants i will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy i will show wonders in heaven above the signs in the earth beneath blood and fire and vapor of smoke the sun shall turn shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, Wonders and signs which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. For David says concerning him, I first saw the Lord always before my face for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore, my heart rejoiced and my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh also will rest in hope for you will not leave my soul in Hades, nor will you allow your holy one to see corruption. You have made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of joy in your presence. Men and brethren, let me speak freely to you of the patriarch, David, that he is both dead and buried and his tomb is with us to this day. Therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him, that of the fruit of his body, according to the flesh, he would raise up the Christ to sit on his throne. He foreseeing this spoke concerning the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in Hades nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God has raised up of which we are all witnesses. Therefore being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the father, the promise of the Holy spirit, he poured out this, which you see and hear. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he said himself, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel assuredly know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of this, the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, repent, And let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and all who are far off as many as the Lord, our God will call. (laughs) And with many words. He testified and exhorted them saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly receive the word were baptized. And that day about 3000 souls were added to them and they continued steadfastly in the apostles doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common Chapter three. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms from those who enter the temple, who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have. But what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked, and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Now, as a lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's greatly amazed. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? or why look so intently at us as though by our own power or godliness, we have made this man walk. The God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers glorified his servant, Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate When he was determined to let him go, but you denied the Holy One and the just, and asked for a murderer to be granted to you, and killed the Prince of Life, whom God raised from the dead, of which we are witnesses, and his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know, yes, the faith which comes through him, has given him this perfect soundness and presence of you all. Yet now, brethren, I know that you did it in ignorance, as did also your rulers, but those things which God foretold by the mouth of all his prophets, that the Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come in the presence of the Lord." and that he may send Jesus Christ, who was preached to you before, (laughs) whom heaven must receive until the time of restoration, which God has spoken by the mouth of his holy prophets since the world began. For Moses truly said to the fathers, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren, him you shall hear in all things, whatever he says to you. And it shall be that every soul who will not hear that prophet shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. Yes, and all the prophets from Samuel and those who follow as many as have spoken have also foretold these days. You are sons of the prophets and of the covenant, which God made with our father, saying to Abraham, and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed to you first, God. Having him raised up, sorry, having raised up his servant Jesus, sent him to bless you in turning away every one of you from your iniquities. The word of God. The living word. The word, as in Hebrews 4, that says that the word is living and active. Living and and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. (laughs) Sharper than any two-edged sword. Dividing soul and spirit, joint and marrow. You know, the word that discerns the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The word of God is powerful. Um, It is, it is, And I've said this many times, there are very few things you can do that are better than praying and reading God's word. Very few things in life, period, that you can do that are better than reading God's word. I mean, this word is alive and you can't help but read this and not be stirred up. Like, you can't help reading this and not go, oh, snap. You can't help reading this and to feel like God must have more in store. Like, there's got to be more. More than what I've grown up on. More than what I'm familiar with. with More than what I've done up to this point. There's got to be more. There has to be more. There's more to it than just showing up to church and singing three songs, hearing a 30-minute TED Talk, going home, only to ignore all the notes I wrote when I listened to that 30-minute TED Talk. There's got to be more. There's got to be more. There's got to be more. I read it and what it makes me feel What it stirs me up in is to be cognizant of the fact that there's more to our faith than the regular habit of going to church on Sunday. There's just just more. There's more for you. There's more for me. And of course, I'm somewhat stirred because uh, not this Sunday, but uh, two Sundays from now. We have our worship gathering and and uh we're our gathering is actually on Pentecost Sunday, on the Sunday that we celebrate what we saw transpire in in Acts chapter two. And so of course, I'm all you know I, i'm I've been spending time in the book of Acts, and I've been spending a significant amount of time in Acts one and Acts two, just reflecting, meditating as we prepare for that day. And the one message that continues to reverberate in me over and over and over again is there's more. It's going to be my message that day. There's more, there's more for you. There's more, there's more for you than what maybe the Christian life has been for you. There's more, there's more for you than just showing up on Sunday and singing three songs and hearing a 30-minute TED Talk to go home and to just ignore the notes that you wrote during that 30-minute TED Talk and then to go back again next Sunday to rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. There's more. God has more in store for you than just showing up to a service, getting a word, singing a couple songs and going back home. There's more. There's more that God has for you. God's plan for you is not to just sit and just be passive and just receive, but God is calling you to something greater. Each and every one of us, he's calling us. He's calling us out. Yes, we, us, children of God, calling us out, out of the darkness into the marvelous light to be children of light, to be light to the earth, to be salt to the world. He's calling us to more. He's calling you to more. Each and every one of you, he's calling you to more. God wants more for you. God wants more for us. God wants more for his church. He wants more. And when we read the birth of the church, and you're going to see this all throughout the book of Acts, when we see what the church looks like, if we could just be real just for a second, like back up just for a second, and this is going to sound odd because, you know, I'm a part of the I'm a part of the establishment. <laughs> in a lot of ways. But then again, I'm a rebel in a lot of ways. People just have to put up with me in a lot of ways. But there's more to this life and faith in Jesus Christ than what you may have grown up on. There's more to Jesus and there's more to you. God wants more for you. He wants more for you. And and the thing is, is that for many of us, we don't live out more and we don't experience more because we've been conditioned to believe that we are the recipients of ministry, not ministers ourselves. Let me say that one more time. We posture ourselves as recipients as consumers of ministry and not ministry, not part of the ministry or ministers ourselves. We have this backwards way of uh, of doing ministry. We're literally living in the upside down. If you haven't watched Stranger Things then you, you don't know what I'm talking about. But if you watch Stranger Things, you know about the upside down. And reality is that the church is living in the upside down. A lot of churches are living in the upside down. What do I mean by that? What I mean by that is, is a lot of churches have postured themselves as the distributors of God's grace, as the distributors of spiritual goods, in that the members of the church are simply the consumers of that good. So now church has become a market and the ministers we pastors ministers preachers we are the producers of spiritual content for our members to consume and so we've made our members passive consumers rather than participants in what god is doing we're in the upside down y'all because god didn't call just the pastors to do it. But he called the pastors to equip the saints for the work of ministry. The people in the church are the ministers. We're just the ones who help coach people along the way. I know I'm I'm in rant mode and we're going to be breaking this down as we read through the text, but it's something that really stirs up in me to see this church that God has called right to see this this church that God is birthing and this church doesn't look like a lot of our churches today it just doesn't it doesn't look like it this church that we see that God is birthing is a church that has put everyone into action every single person is gone is is literally in action it is literally moving The priesthood of all believers, as we know in, well, as we've read about in in, in Peter, in First Peter, the priesthood of all believers. So yes, I'm I'm a little bit stirred up. I'm a little stirred up when I read this because what I'm reading is about how God uses the most unlikely people, how God uses <clears throat> people that the church wouldn't hire today. If, I mean, just think about this for a second, right? If Peter brought his resume to most established churches, Peter wouldn't get hired. Like if if John brought his resume to most churches today, John wouldn't get hired. Ooh, I'm gonna say that again. I might have to turn that one into a TikTok. (laughs) I might have to turn that audit to a TikTok. <laughs> you know what's crazy, fam, is that if we look at Peter and John, I mean, it's crazy. If we saw Peter today, we wouldn't hire him. We wouldn't hire him. It's crazy. In most of our churches today, if Peter submitted his resume, we wouldn't hire Peter if if James had submitted his resume we wouldn't hire James most established churches wouldn't hire him if John submitted his resume we wouldn't hire them we wouldn't hire any of these guys the disciples wouldn't uh, he wouldn't they wouldn't meet up to our standards because our qualifications what we determine what qualifies someone seminary degrees you know erudite educated connected, charismatic, whatever. We wouldn't hire them. It's just real talk. What I love is that what qualifies people according to God is not what qualifies people according to man. And maybe we got to stop looking at what looks good on paper and see what's actually in the heart of a man. It is the spirit of God that qualifies us. It is the spirit of God that qualifies a person, the spirit of God. Let me say that one more time. It's the spirit of God. I don't care how good you look, how, um, educated you are, how brilliant you are in your diction, how, you know, it doesn't matter. None of that matters. And I'm going to just be real frank with y'all. And this is going to sound real messed up. Whoops. Oh my gosh, this whole thing just fell off. Sorry, guys. I'm going to say this, and it's going to sound real messed up when I say it, but hey, I have to say it anyway, is a lot of us have been hurt by church leaders because we gave them worldly qualifications rather than to evaluate them based off of God's qualifications. Golly, where am I going to get to this? I'm just stirred up right now. Have you ever thought for a second that maybe the reason why we're seeing so much turmoil right now in the church is because of what we've used as qualifiers for the people who lead in the church? Have you thought that the reason why we're seeing all these scandals is because maybe we've qualified people based off of the worldly qualifications? You know, how charismatic they are, how smart, how brilliant, how good looking they are. Like maybe we're using maybe the world's metric for qualification and not God's metric for qualification. Have you ever thought that maybe the reason why the church is falling apart is because we have a bunch of American idols, Mm -hmm. a bunch of American idols on stage. Hmm. Man, we'll look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart and maybe we have to change our metric for what qualifies somebody. Maybe it should be the Spirit of God. Hmm. Have you thought about that? Maybe it's the Spirit of God that should qualify. Maybe it's the Spirit of God that should choose. Maybe God should do the choosing. Hmm. Church Inc., y'all. And here's the reality is, is you can grow a church on marketing strategies. You can grow a church in the same way you can grow any business. If you treat the church like a business, you can grow a church like any business. Put together a good enough marketing strategy, create a good enough product Right. Put together a good enough marketing plan and 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 put it all together and make it look good. And if it's about communication, man, create a great communication media distribution system. Man, build this thing. You can build an empire on good strategy. Doesn't mean that God is in it. You can have great marketing, promotion, and advertising. You can bring people on board, great backup. Strategies, follow-up strategies, all that. All that is good and all. But don't think that because your church is growing, it's because the Spirit of God is breathing into it. Hmm. Oh man, I'm gonna get in trouble today. If I put all this on TikTok, then man, this just gonna man, people going man, <laughs> people gonna get lit. <laughs> They all get lit today. I'm sorry, but I read the book of Acts, and man, I see a church that most people would not be so impressed with. Led by people who most would not even hire to be on staff at their church. And these are the people that God is choosing to pioneer his church. I mean, just think about that for a minute. Bunch of no names from the hood, pariahs. And God was like, yep, those are the ones. These are the ones I'm going to roll with. And here's what's crazy about it, right? Is while we think you have to have all this information inside, what I'm about to say is dangerous because not to say it's not important to study your word. The scriptures tell us to study to show ourselves approved. I get it. All that is there. I get it. I get it. I get it. I am one who believes in the study of the word, but do not get it twisted. Just because you have deep theological insight does not mean you're qualified to pastor a church. Let me say that one more time, just because you got good theology, just because you have deep theological insight, just because you know, the Bible in and out, upside down, just because you got all that does not qualify you to pastor a church. It is the spirit of God that qualifies you. And too many of us are giving people who know Bible qualification. The devil knows Bible. And there are some people who we do not qualify because they don't impress us in our way or they don't fit our our cultural norm or they don't they don't fit what what we're impressed in in today's cultural age. And so we kind of put them to the side. Well, guess what? That's Peter. That's James. That's John. That's Philip. That's Thomas. That's Matthew. That's Bartholomew. All them boys. All no names from the hood. And yet God said, I'm going to use them. Have you ever thought that maybe your metric for what qualifies somebody isn't God's metric? What happened? Hmm. It gets dangerous when you read the book of Acts. You cannot read the book of Acts and not get stirred up. I'm sorry, because this next few, the next few weeks gonna sound a little, a little tough because some people will say, man, Isaac, you have such a problem with the church. No, I don't have a problem with the church. I have a problem with church ink. Whew! Lord Jesus, I'm going to get in trouble. I don't have a problem with the church. I have a problem with church Inc. I have a problem with the institutions we've created. Oh, we're a 501c3, now we're a church. The church was a movement. It was a movement of people who didn't have marketing degrees, great strategies, and didn't have deep theological understanding. You want proof? Just read it in the text. I'm sorry, y'all. Let's look at some Bible. (laughs) I'm sorry, I've been ranting, but let's look at some Bible real quick. Let me just look at it. He says, Jesus, first of all, Jesus tells them, Um, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Jesus is telling them, don't step out until you've been baptized with the Spirit. Don't step out until you've been drenched with the Spirit. Don't step out until you are filled with the Spirit because what I'm about to do next requires the Holy Spirit. So he tells them, you sit here and just wait. Wait for the promise of the Father. Wait for the Holy Spirit, because what I'm going to do next cannot be done by your might, cannot be done by your power, cannot be done by your ability. It can only be done by my spirit. So just sit here and wait. This is the humility that Christ asks of us it is to say, I'm not going unless the Spirit of God takes me there. I'm not doing this without the Spirit of God. Because if the Spirit of God doesn't do it, I'm going to give myself credit. If it's, if it's, if it's, if, if it's if it isn't the Spirit of God, then it must be my brilliant strategy. If it isn't the Spirit of God, then, then it must be my charisma. It must be my personality. Fam, you know what I love is that God has put me in a place and a space reminding me daily that it is not my swag that has grown my platform. It is not my charisma that has grown, grown my platform. It is quite literally the spirit of God. Every day I look and I go, man, this was not me. Not by my might, not by my power, but by his spirit. And God reminds me of this regularly. But let's back this up for a second, because verse six says, therefore when they had come together, they asked him saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? I think we miss that sometimes like we gloss over it and we miss it like we, we miss it. They're literally exposing to Jesus that they don't fully understand. And they don't have all the information. All this time, Jesus has been preaching the gospel of the kingdom, the kingdom of God, the one in which he will restore Israel. And by consequence, bring salvation to the world. He said the kingdom of God is here. And he, he's, he's preaching the gospel of the kingdom to them. Tells them, you're about to proclaim the kingdom of God, that my kingdom is not of this world. My kingdom does not look like your kingdom. And the first question they ask, as Jesus is commissioning them, the first question they ask is: Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom? to Israel. Oh, goodness gracious. So you're telling me they still don't have all the information? Are you telling me that they still got more to learn? You're telling me that they don't have the whole thing figured out? I mean, Jesus must have had an eye rolling moment. Like I'm about to leave y'all. Jesus is about to ascend into heaven. He's about to go. He's about to leave them on their own. And they ask him an eye-rolling question. (laughs) Oh, this teaches us the patience and the grace that God has for us. But it also teaches us something else. It teaches us. That God's not impressed by how much information we know. He's impressed how willing we are. He's impressed by how submitted we are to him. On paper, these ain't the ones. They they just they just they they're still figuring out gospel one-on-one. <laughs> I mean, isn't that by like just think that I know this sounds so this is dangerous talk by the way, this is dangerous talk because some will say, well you've got to have all these degrees and you have to be ordained and you have to have all all those things are good, but they mean nothing nothing without the spirit of God. And what's crazy about it is the spirit of God. God will do what God does. Even in our ignorance, God will move if we allow him to truly move and work in us. If we'd be submitted to him, submitted to his spirit and allow his spirit to do the work. I know that's dangerous talk. But it's the talk that we all need to hear because too many of us are saying there's stuff we need to know before we can go. There's stuff we need to know before we can we can minister and share the gospel. There's stuff we need to know before God really sends us and commissions us. And there are those of us who are here who feel like there's a class we haven't taken, there's a thing we haven't done. There's a and 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 there's some of us right now who have willingly chose to be passive in our walk with Christ. because we're waiting for the next big revelation, not realizing that even Pastor Isaac today is still growing in his understanding, his awareness and his knowledge of God. Some of us have to get over ourselves, be childlike before the Lord and say, God use This broken piece of clay, crush it, mold it, reshape it, make it into what you want it to be. Do what you please with me. Some of us think that the ministers are the ones who have, who have the degrees, who have the ordination papers, who have the ordination cards. The ones with the ordination cards are the ones that he's asking here to repent. Dangerous talk. And so Jesus responds and says, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons, which the father has put in his own authority. Literally eye rolling moment. Jesus is like, oh my gosh, just wait here y'all. <laughs> Jesus literally say, just wait here. Just wait here. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And when you receive the Holy Spirit, you will be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You will receive power, not information, power. He didn't say, you'll get a word. He said, you'll receive power. Children of God, you are not a powerless people. You're a powerful people. And many of us here, we have postured ourselves as powerless helpless. Lord, I need you. Jesus, help me. We, that's what we've done. We've, po- we've postured ourselves as powerless people. When the narrative of the scripture is that God's people are powerful people and they're powerful, not because they have all this, this, this understanding and wisdom. No, because they have the spirit of God. The power to transform society, the power to move, the power to step into broken places and bring light, the power to bring healing, the power to bring restoration. The power is in them, and He's saying, "You will receive that power when, not when you read through the Book of Acts, not when you finish uh, studying through, you know, your Christology book, not when you're done reading through the Book of Romans. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you." I wish. We would be postured to receive the Holy Spirit and that the Holy Spirit would move in us, not to sit back and wait for someone to distribute more information to us. I wish we would step out. I wish each and every one of us, ragtag, group of people, no names. No degrees, no theology degrees, just submitted, small, simple before God. And to say, God, use me. Man, I know I'm going to get in trouble. I wish people would stop asking God to just help me and to start asking God, use me. To stop asking God, can you can you help me fix this, fix that? I'm so powerless, I'm so helpless. But to know that if you have the spirit of God, you have the power of God and the presence of God. And to say, you know what? Let me change the narrative. Instead of asking God just to, Help me in my helplessness, to know that God has given me power and to say, God, use me, use me. Crazy that if God starts using us, then God starts helping us. And let me say that one more time, because I think a lot of us, we we just missed that part. It's crazy. How, when God starts using us, God starts helping us. He's a helper. He's a helper. And some of us, we've been looking man. we're like, man, God, when when I can get my life together, when when, when I get my finances right when I do then then I'll then I'll then I'll move and and then you know God I'll you can use me no what if maybe you need God to use you before he helps you and maybe in using you rather than helping your helpless self God is going to help you in the power that he's given you Maybe this helper is not here to help you survive. Maybe this helper is here to help you thrive. And I know I'm in full blown rant mode here, but read that text. I'm sorry, I thought I was gonna get to the next part, but um, we're gonna be working through this text because man, there's so many things, so many themes that we have to run through as we read through this text, but the Lord is really stirring me up. He's been stirring me up in the last few days as I've been meditating on his word and meditating and reading about his church. These were people who were just willing to just go. They were filled with the Holy Spirit, but they were willing to just go. Peter was a guy nobody would hire, but Peter was the one that preached the first gospel revival sermon. Peter spoke with a boldness that that we've, that we have not seen up to this point. Like we've never seen Peter speak like this before. And yet now Peter is speaking with a boldness, only because he was willing. Only because he was willing. Only because he stepped out. Only because he had received the Holy Spirit. Only because he trusted in God with the little that he had. And then as he trusted God with the little that he had, more kept coming, more kept coming, more kept coming. We saw an increase in how the Spirit moved because the Spirit moves by the measure of our faith. The more we go, the more our faith grows. The more our faith grows, the more power emanates from God. For by grace are we saved through faith. If we want to see the overflow of the Spirit of God, we've got to step in the little that he gives us. Peter preaches, many come to Christ. And what do they do? They all continue steadfastly in one accord, in fellowship, in the reading of the doctrine. Yes, that is important. But notice, they continued reading the apostle doctrine. They were the ones who sat down and began to break bread with one another and in prayer for one another. And then they began to serve and to see a city transformed and healed This was not the big service that you go to, that you took notes from, from a 30-minute sermon. This was intimate, missional, community. This was a movement. Many of us are waiting for the big platform, waiting to do ministry like we see on YouTube. And God is saying, no, no, I can use you right where you are. You're a part of God's story. You're part of what God is doing. This is you. you. You have the Spirit of God. Stop quenching the Holy Spirit. Stop quenching the Holy Spirit. And stop thinking that your ministry needs to look like what you see on YouTube. I'll leave you with one last thought because I know I got to go. And we're going to keep working this, okay? We're going to keep working acts. But I'll I'll leave you this one thought. Let's say you were to change in your life only one soul. And let's say that one soul was a woman, drug addict, prostitute on the streets. And she ran in and you you were submitted to the Holy Spirit to know, hey, I need to speak the love of Jesus over this person right now. And you stepped out in faith and you spoke to her. And right there, she gave her life to Jesus. Or right there, she took the seed of the message of the gospel that you had in you. And then she gave her life to Jesus. And then afterwards, she went and got baptized, transformed, healed by the message of the gospel. And this woman then, this woman then begins to live her life for Jesus, cleans herself up, goes to rehab, is restored no longer a drug addict, no longer a prostitute. And let's say this woman meets this man, another God-fearing man. And he hears her story and is moved by how the grace of God can transform someone's life. She happens to be the one that God has called to be her husband. And he finds her, marries her, loves her. And they have four children and they raise those children. And those children all live for Christ. Two of those children become pastors. One of them becomes a missionary in Africa. And those children then raise children. And all of a sudden that one moment that you had That one moment, that one person, maybe it was the only person, the only person that may have come to Jesus through you. And you may have thought that your ministry didn't have much impact, not realizing that through you, through your obedience, came thousands who came to faith in Christ. You are part of a bigger story. I'll leave you with one last one. There's a man that many of you may know very well. By the way, the story I just shared you is is actually a true story. Someone that I know actually, personally. And every day she asks, you know, I'd love to meet that, that lady that I met at the, at the subway who spoke the love of Jesus over me, transformed my life. And now they're a ministry family with so much impact all over the world. Because of the obedience of a person who was filled with the Holy Spirit, who prophetically spoke to them, there was another man who far from Jesus, who hopped on a bus, and when he hopped on a bus, there was a man who came to him and shared Jesus with him just in a conversation. That man had given his life to Christ and became the greatest evangelist recorded to ever live. The man who brought Billy Graham to Jesus, we may not know his name, but we all know Billy Graham. But it took a person to reach Billy Graham with the message and the spirit of God. We can go on for days of stories of some of the greatest men and women that we've seen in ministry. Many of them who instigated revivals that brought millions to Jesus were just seeds that were planted by those who we would say are like you and I. Family, God is waiting on you. stop thinking you need to know more, build more. No, we need to grow in him and we need to reorient our thinking. We are not a powerless people. We are a powerful people. filled with the spirit of God, full of the power of God. Definitely, Father, we thank you. As we close our time today, Father, I thank you that you have blessed us. Lord, with your word. Father, it's convicting to read it, but also it's encouraging to read it. It's convicting because it pushes us out of our comfort zone to think that there's more, to believe in more, but also it's encouraging to know that more is available to each and every one of us. We already have access to more. We have what they were waiting for. We have the Holy Spirit and we have the Holy Spirit now. So Father, I pray, that you would convict us, convince us, inspire us to more today. And we say that in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. I will see you guys tomorrow for our time in prayer. Um, Thanks for hanging around. I went a little longer than usual, but that's what happens when we're in full rant mode. But there's so much that I want to impact in our reading through the book of Acts. I was just in Rambo today, but God bless you guys. Love you all. Again, if you uh, if you're not in our discord community, I want to encourage you to join at discord.gg slash opus frere discord.gg slash opus frere. And for those of you who um, um, who also want to support us, it's patreon.com slash Isaac frere I S A A C F R E R E. Patreon.com slash Isaac Fair. Encourage you to support us as we continue to grow in this ministry. Um, and also, uh, text me 954 231 1848, 954 231 1848, so you can stay updated on all the things we have going on. Love y'all, fam. God bless you guys. See you guys tomorrow.